Hey, what's going on? It's Stokely from Sauce on the Lane. Yeah, you know, I just, you know, I just, um, just had a experience of communicating with some older people and hearing stories about older people, you know, people in their 70s and their 80s. And, um, There's a major disconnect between the boomers and their previous generation and the current generation. You know, you have people who may not be so computer savvy, all the way down to young people who are, you know, savvy with the apps on the phone. And, you know, you're coming from a time when people just had. You know, people that are coming from a time when they had black and white TVs or they didn't have access to a lot of technology, a lot of convenience to a generation who has access to a lot of what we would call convenience now. What we would call convenience from previous generations, but now we would call almost necessities like a washing machine, a dishwasher, uh, a cell phone, <laughs> cable TV and internet and stuff like that. You know, you have people that are older that are coming from a time when those things didn't exist. And uh, people who more relied on direct social interaction versus texting and calling and stuff like that. We kind of, we even value digital communication as almost as much as uh, interpersonal communication. Because sometimes we already rely... We already resigned ourselves to the fact that we can't be everywhere. We already resigned ourselves to the fact that, you know, people are remote working or, uh, you know, we had to socially distance and we have already resigned ourselves to the fact that we're not going to be in each other's presence, but we're going to communicate digitally and that's equivalent to, that's equivalent to uh, the same interpersonal, direct, in-person communication, Right? We're, we're good enough with that. But older people, that's not where they come from. That's not where they used to. They have to be interacted with. They have to be communicated with. You know, that's something that's new, you know. Um, and they need help. You know, I mean, when we get old, they, couldn't, they could not have calculated for this time. There's no way they could have calculated for a time when people are not around each other. People are not uh, in each other's presence. People are not communicating only digitally. And people aren't visiting and people aren't, you know, whatever. So we have a multitude of complications in the fact that we have, um, you know, we've moved from personal you know, direct, in-person communication to remote communication. And we've moved from a very collective community village kind of operation, extended families, not not extended families, I want to say, multi-generational families. A house where your grandmother's there, your mother and father's there, and your and the kids are there. So there's no disconnect. There's no unfamiliarity. 
multi-generational households are more successful in my opinion just looking at the statistics that uh, they say that Indian families or Desi or South Asian families is it South Asian? Yeah. They earn on average $200,000 a year versus on average white family earns about $160,000 a year. Alright? So these people live in multi-generational homes. They can not only is it good to maintain your culture, it doesn't not only does it function to help maintain your culture, it also functions to lower your housing costs. And we know that housing costs and housing availability is a big issue right now because everyone wants to live separately from their family members. Everyone wants to have their own apartment where they can do whatever they want. Now, like I said, when you work in a collective, you have to give and take. When you live in a community, you have to give and take. When you live in a multi-generational household, you have to give and take. Your grandmother, your great-grandmother, your grandfather, your great-grandfather, your mother, your father, they're not going to accept certain things and certain standards, good or bad. They're going to have a direct interaction and reinforce, hopefully, certain standards. So, we find that living solitary is more expensive. Living solitary also creates a generational disconnect. I don't think they had nursing homes back in, I don't know, back in the 50s. I don't know when nursing homes developed. I need to do some research into that. But they used to have things called poor houses. That's what we call them where I'm from, poor house. It's where the um, older people that can't take care of themselves anymore, they can't afford to take care of themselves or they're not able to take care of themselves, they're put into these poor houses. Now you have orphanages where the children used to go to orphanages. Now we've solved that by putting kids in the foster care for the most part. Um, we've created these institutions. Um, and we've, uh, as a result, taken away a lot of responsibility from the family to do all of these services. We've put these responsibilities on the community or the state. We've put these responsibilities on the collective or you can call it the state and um, that's reduced I think the quality of care somewhat um, if you're taking care of your mother and your father I mean sometimes it becomes frustrating and it becomes tiring and it becomes difficult but you know you have more of an emotional connect to them some people might get some people might get better care from a stranger in a nursing home from their, than their own family. It's possible. But, you know, I, I don't know. But some people might get better care from living in a multi-generational family with their, with their own relatives. So, the experience that I was just having was that um, basically a baby boomer grandmother is living in a house by herself. Her husband passed away maybe 20 or so years ago. And her son uh, had some children that didn't grow up in or around her, from my understanding. And then, um, and then um, 
now they're living with the grandmother. So there's a generation, there's a one generation gap between the grandmother and the kids. And it's a drastic generational gap. Like I say, we're coming from people who have not fully adaptive technology per se, and she probably doesn't use a computer. She's maybe about 80 years old. And then you have some kids that are 21 and 18 years old living with her, giving her a hard time. So how many years is that? 80 minus 20 is 40 years. That's a generation plus another decade. A generation is 30 years. So they're far removed from being relatable or being able to relate with their grandmother. So you know what? And that reminds me and that tells me something too. I need to make sure that my son interacts more with his grandparents and gets an understanding of what is expected of him and who these people are and to create a bond with these grandparents. Uh, we, we don't live in a multi-generational household. We live in a only a two-generation household. Mother, you know, parents and children, that's it. Um, so we're kind of lacking in that sense. I feel like my I feel like my drive shaft just snapped a while ago or something. I don't know. The um Yeah, I didn't get to do any Uber today. I went to go visit my grand aunt who I haven't seen, you know seen in about four months or so and I got to see my cousins who I haven't seen well one of them I didn't see in four months ago uh, since four months ago and then one of them I haven't seen in about I don't know four years I haven't seen one of them for about four years you know uh, so that was good that was very good to maintain to to, to you know re reconnect But um, multi-generational household and connecting all the family and all that, that's very important. You know? It's very important to do that because there's benefits to it. It's benefits health-wise, it's benefits educationally, education, educationally, yes, educational benefits, cultural benefits, and financial benefits because like I said, in a multi-generational household, you don't have to worry about the housing shortage because everybody's living in the house. So, that's really about it. Um, but in a collective, in a multi-generational household, you have to make concessions regarding your behavior and regarding a lot of things. So, anyhow... Going back to work. Thanks for listening. Hey, Stokely from Source on the Lay. You know, I just made this post about multi-generational households. And I wanted to say some more about it in, you know, in my opinion. Uh, in my opinion. Tuh. Are you serious? In my opinion, the um, the uh, <laughs> oh my goodness, 
multi-generational household. Uh, I mean, it's 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 the it's the original household structure, I would think, because human beings were nomadic. We travel with our whole family, our whole tribe. We travel with everybody. You know, we just now we have permanent housing. And now, you know, each person is earning an income. It's not like we're on a farm or we're agrarian or we have a territory to cover where we only hunt and gather within that area or we're in a feudal situation where, or a caste situation where we're locked into a certain geographic area, you know, to the point where some people had names that were tied to the location that they came from, you know. So we're, we're, we're still nomadic, but we have permanent housing like buildings that we live in you know i mean that's a that's a that doesn't make sense what i just said but um yeah we're still nomadic but now we're not being nomadic with the whole family unit um the family is fragmenting off based on the need for resources if the you know you got you have um you have uh the kids moving away you know they're going away to university they're going somewhere else and they're moving away. Um, not everybody is like that. Me, myself, you know, personally, I, 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 I was a commuter uh, student, which means I just took the train and a bus and I came home every day. I didn't live on campus or anything like that. Um, I think uh, one of my classmates, no, one of my, not one of my classmates, one of my coworkers, one of my coworkers, He's a he, he's like a volleyball player recreationally, but he's very good. And um, recently, a company reached out to me for uh, to, to 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 apply for a job. But the job is on the other side of the country, and I thought to myself, you know, this guy is young, single guy. He doesn't have any kids. Um, maybe he'll think about working for this company because this company is like a great company, you know. But he said, you know, even though the, the position was attractive and, uh, you know, I don't know what he's compensated, but if he's getting paid what I'm getting paid, then it'll be double what he's getting paid now. So I said, you know, um, you know, this, this job isn't really suited for me because I can't really pick up my whole family and take them across the country. Now, you're a single guy. You can take up yourself and go anywhere you want to go. And he said he didn't want to leave. So there's some people that are still living within their same geographic area like myself the same area that I went to school in basically you know in the early years I'm not far from those areas but still I don't live in the same domicile as my parents neither does he he's a single guy no kids whatever he doesn't live in the same domicile as his parents now he could be definitely saving a lot more money if he was but then he would be living under their purview, under their watchful eye. And I guess, you know, you want your liberation, you want your independence. You don't want to conform to the edicts and uh, of your parents. You want to drink your beers, do whatever you want to do in your house, you know, and have your privacy, which is not necessarily going to be 100% permitted. So that's something that you have to compromise in order to to live in a collective now making that compromise what he could do is save the one or two thousand dollars that he's paying for rent somewhere else and within two years time he'd have 
enough of a down payment, maybe twenty thousand, maybe forty thousand dollars in down payment money to buy a home outright. Not outright. I'm sorry. Uh, put the, to buy a home. Now he's been working at my job just about as long he's been working at the job a little bit short less than I've been working here probably about 8 years so 8 12s is what 96 8 12s is 96 let's say he's been in an apartment for the past 8 years and let's say he's paying $2,000 that's $192,000 he could have saved $192,000 he's not just paying rent he's also paying electricity and other utilities, whatever. So he could have saved up $196,000 in the span of eight years. And he has to buy his own food. Now, if he was living with his parents, they'd be sharing food. Probably food wouldn't really go to waste too much. Now, you know, of course, he can't bring his girlfriend over probably not um, probably can't have parties and gamble and whatever whatever he likes to do that he doesn't want his parents to see he probably can't do those things but um, typically those things are entertainment and recreational things that suck your finances draw out money out of you uh, versus you know they don't really develop you they don't and, and you would there be there to spend more time with your parents in their later years when you're able to be productive and their um, their productivity and their capability is lessening. You know, you'd be there to support them. So it wouldn't be like, yeah, you know, I think it would be more beneficial. But that's his life, you know. I can't dictate him to him what his life is. But saving $196,000 over eight years... <clears throat> And listen, that's just what he's paying for his rent. I'm pretty sure he's saving money aside from that. Aside from just paying his rent. So, he could save much more than that. Now, in New York, $196,000 can't buy you a house at all. Unless it's a dilapidated house. Which, yeah, I mean, let's not... I'm not getting into real estate right now. You could buy a dilapidated house for $196,000 cash if you got that. Yes, you could do that. And, and renovate it. Refinance it and get your money back out of it. You know, out of the equity that you just put into it. Anyhow. But, you know, we don't really operate like that. As soon as we get, well, whatever. That's not the culture right now. The culture is now, you know what, I'm going to get a job. I have a living wage job. Or maybe I don't even have a living wage job. But I'm going to get out of here. I don't want mommy and daddy dictating to me what I should do, what I should not do. I'm getting to be an adult now. I want to get out. Get out into the world. I want to live the way I want to live. That's totally understandable. Maybe what's necessary is that parents give their youth the leeway and the space to operate as an adult within the household for the most part of course certain parameters of respect and honor and decency have to be maintained so they can't just do whatever they want willy nilly but um, 
yeah, maybe if the parents give that leeway, I'm not saying that he doesn't have that leeway at home, probably does, I don't know. Um, uh, that has to be made available so that they can be comfortable. He has to show them respect and they have to respect him also as an adult and, and the fact that he's uh, he's not their little baby anymore, you know? But let's see if I, I'm talking about all that. Let's see what happens when my son gets grown, what I'm gonna do. <laughs> I'm gonna think that he's a baby the whole time. Probably. Um. So that's really it, you know. I don't really have much else to say. I just think that multi-generational households are beneficial. Um, to house someone in a, like uh, my, my friend who passed away, he was about 70 something years old, about 76 years old. Um, and I know other people who are in a nursing home. The nursing home has basically become their guardian. And basically, um, I'm gonna say for lack of a better word, puts a lien on their income and their property to cover the costs of the nursing home. So as a result, the nursing home eventually eats their wealth away and uh, wealth that could have been transferred to the family. So a lot is being lost when we don't, when we are fragmented and divided. You know, uh, people talk about the destruction of the family. People talk about that in the cases of divorce. And and, 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 and and child custody, but they don't speak about it in the aspect of the older folks and the elderly who are a wealth of knowledge, you know, a wealth of knowledge, a wealth of history, a history of your, the, you know, like a wealth of knowledge and a wealth of history. I just noticed that this tree is split like that. I just noticed that. I didn't even notice this tree was like that. The electrical line runs right in between the tree. Did it just fall down? No, it did not fall down. The electrical line line runs right between the tree and the tree is like shaped like a Y. <laughs> uh, I didn't notice it because the building that's behind it has plants growing up on the side of it. So... Oh. Excuse me. I just try to support this artisan who makes juices. The juice was so sugary. It was. It had so much sugar in it. It made me start having feelings of anxiety. cultural standards that we're lost now due to the breakdown and the selfishness and the um, the rugged individualism you know that's it thanks for listening